You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. I am sitting at home on a Friday night at 11.15 p.m. And it is Cinco Day Mile. I don't really know how much you all used to party down on Cinco de Mayo. But I know I did. I know I did. And first and foremost, just totally riffing this episode. I didn't really prepare anything other than the fact that I know that today is not the celebration of the Mexican independence. Like it is very many times been inaccurately said in front of me. There was actually a battle against the second French empire in 1862 and Mexico won that. And that is what today celebrates. That is the only thing I Googled for this episode (laughs) because I was wanted to know what exactly to say about this. So if anybody is running around being like, yay, it's Mexican Independence Day, that is absolutely not true. It is a day for the country of Mexico to celebrate winning a battle, winning a war against the French Empire. So that is to be celebrated. But let's just make sure we understand what we're celebrating. And it's it's important enough that I figured I'd bring it up. Now, one of the things that I do find fascinating about days like today is it reminds me how much I used to hold on so tight to this idea of what would I do to have fun if this kind of event came about. And I don't mean just Cinco de Mayo, but there's tons of events like this where our society has turned them into drinking days. You know, there is Fourth of July, there is St. Patrick's Day, there is Cinco de Mayo, Hell Halloween, which is which you know, is a kids' candy day whenever you're a minor, but somehow turns into a let's all get super drunk and see who can dress in the most sluttiest outfit. Which, I mean, as a very heterosexual male, I have no problem with scantily clad outfits on Halloween. It's certainly a benefit of the day. But most of the time, I was always too bombed out of my mind to even think about putting on a costume. Um, I do remember wearing a costume once that was overalls and just underwear underneath it and going out to a club. This was in Hollywood. And the it was like overalls and the overalls wouldn't stay on. So at some points I was like on the dance floor, just dancing around in my underwear with like my overalls down at my feet. And it was <laughs> pretty insane because I think people thought that was my costume and that I was like <laughs> trying to pull off some Chippendales dancer, uh, which was not the costume <laughs> at all. My face was painted all white and there was like blood spots on it. I'm pretty sure I was trying to be a zombie or something like that. But I just remember being like later on that night being like, this was a horrible idea. (laughs) I should not have worn this outfit. Um, Halloween was one of those days that certainly uh, getting smashed was it was all about it. I mean, Christmas Day was a day to get drunk back in my world. Um, So I remember thinking back right now, I'm thinking back to how I used to convince myself that I needed to keep drinking because when St. Patty's Day or Cinco de Mayo or a wedding or a bar mitzvah, anything, anything where it's normally a gathering of human beings and alcohol is going to be there, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh my God, what am I going to do? This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. 
I left Los Angeles because I wanted a sense of community. I wanted to get to know people. I wanted to be around people that were just, I don't, I hesitate to use the word real, but I was looking for more of a connection with people. And I had just sort of timed out of LA. You know, the pandemic happened, everything shut down. The city was even less beautiful during that time period because you couldn't even go out and enjoy the reasons you were in Los Angeles. I mean, they were so weird and strict about things that there was even like beaches being shut down. And if you were caught on a beach, you'd be given a ticket and stuff. And it was just a little too Gestapo for me. And then regardless of what you think about certain people's behaviors during COVID, and certainly we know more information now, we can look back at that time period and there was a lot of uncertainty. And some people were super worried and super scared that if they got COVID that they would die or they lost loved ones. So however you chose to behave during that time period, there's no judgment here. I seek to get to know people on a deeper, more meaningful level. But for me, I couldn't understand going to the beach with my girlfriend and our own little, you know, picnic and our little picnic basket. There's Scooby Doo. Nope, that's Boo Boo. Scooby Doo is Scooby Doo, and Yogi Bear is Yogi Bear. And I just totally botched that entire um, cameo by Yogi Bear. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's eleven fifteen on a Friday night, and I'm exhausted. But I wanted to get this episode out because I missed Tuesday, and I thought let's get an episode out and let's talk about Cinco de Mayo. And I've got a little surprise for y'all at the end about a really cool topic that we're going to cover. But let's get back to this this whole beach thing, right? I just didn't see how me and my girlfriend on the beach with nobody around us was somehow breaking a law, and it just seemed very overbearing and intrusive into my life. And and it's like, we stayed home. We would go to the grocery store and then go home and stay home for days upon days upon days. We did a walking trail. And anytime somebody came near us, we'd make sure we were six feet away from them. Like we were, we were polite. We followed the social order of the whole thing, but LA just became less and less appealing. And the idea of rebooting when the whole COVID thing was, you know, ended and starting back up there, it wasn't appealing at all. And moving to Huntsville has been a breath of fresh air, you know, meeting some amazing people. And again, there are normal, quote unquote, normal people in Los Angeles, but here it's just sort of that, it has that feeling of salt of the earth that people just, you know, live in their lives and, and hopefully doing good by, by others. And when I consider the idea that what would I be doing tonight if I was drinking still? I don't think I would be here. I'm not even sure I'd be alive, but definitely not in Huntsville. And even if I was drinking in Huntsville, like this does not exactly seem like the kind of place that you'd have a meltdown 1990, 1999 a la Prince and the Revolution kind of party. So I live in a world now where drinking and that old behavior seems even less idyllic. It even seems less welcoming. And for some of you, you have stayed in your environment that you were in back in your using days. And so there might very much be people that are going to places you're very familiar with and having, quote unquote, their time of their lives. But we know better. We played it through to the credits. We've heard that song before. We've been stuck in that rut one too many times and we chose differently. And it's in the choosing differently that we can begin to calibrate on who we are growing toward based on our behavior. See, that's the beautiful thing about getting into sobriety and recovery when you do it the way that we're choosing to do it with a lot of self-analysis, 
with 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 as much awareness as we can have each day, knowing full well tomorrow more awareness will come, and more and more and more. Right? It's like even that. Just you know, there's some weird statistic out there that says if you get one percent better every single day, you'll be seventy some percent better at the end of the year. I have no idea who figured out that one, and I'm not even sure if the math is correct. But we know every single day if we're just a little bit more self aware and a little bit more, you know. Analyzing analysis of ourselves, that we're going to get better. That's the key that we want to step into. This idea that if we're working on ourselves, that we're we're healing something, we're going through our sufferings and our traumas, and we're cleaning out that closet. We've made the decision to better our lives. One of the issues that I have noticed within the tribe and within my clients and certainly within the addiction recovery centers that I've been working with lately is that there are people in our lives that we don't want to say goodbye to, that they were around during our drinking days, and we want to keep them around during our sober days, during our recovery days. In fact, they could have been a catalyst for the sobriety and recovery. We want them to be there for that. What might be happening in your life, perhaps with somebody that's close to you, is they are still experiencing you through who you used to be. Rather than calibrating on your behavior today, what is this person doing today in front of me? Instead, they're judging you based on what you have done and then future pacing, which is thinking off into the future about how you might do that again. So rather than being in the present with you now, they are living in the past, afraid of a future where you might redo the past. The absurdity of that, the catch-22 you find yourself in when that's occurring between you and another person, it's it's mind-boggling. It's like Marty McFly and Doc Brown would have a hard time grasping that. So I'm behaving one way in front of you right now. And you're instead of experiencing me in the present moment as who I am now, you're thinking about how I used to be then, worrying about how I might be that person again in the future. That really is hard for me not to grasp, not even, I don't even want to say the sentence, it's not okay, for, I don't feel okay with that. That's not how I'm saying it. And again, totally riffing this episode off the top of my head. That doesn't feel good to me. That, it, that doesn't feel good. Like I know I did some shitty things in the past whether it's with my current girlfriend now, whether it's the way I treated my sister, whether it's the way I had treated some friends. Hell, I had, I had some friends I'd been with for 10 years, you know, throughout Florida, uh, specifically, let's say, the University of Florida. Some of those people I'd known for five, six years, I moved out to L.A., and it wasn't like I chose to not talk to them anymore. It's just I didn't call them for a month, and then it was six months, and they didn't call me. And before you know it, it's been 10 years. And that person might still think I am the Jesse I was when I graduated college at 29, 30, and 40 fucking seven years old now. I would hope that I've grown and evolved. I would hope that I have changed. But when there's people who are directly associated with my life right now, and even though I'm behaving differently right now, 
are still disgruntled with me about something I did a year or two ago, and then worrying that I might do it again in the future. It's almost like they're they're involved in this weird, undesirable loop from the secret, where they're manifesting that behavior. And even if they sp- sit there, and I mean, they're just looking at their their watch going, man, it's only a matter of time before the other shoe drops. Well, what is the other shoe? Is it the exact behavior that upset you a year ago? Or is it something that sort of feels similar, but isn't the same, but it's close enough that I can just go ahead and say, see, see, I knew the shoe was going to drop. I knew it was only a matter of time before you went back to that same old behavior. Even if the behavior you're doing now is so far away from the behavior that was happening a year, two, three, five ago, if that person wants to see the behavior being replicated in you now, they can find a way to justify something you did today as being pretty fucking close to who you were then. But it's asinine. Because why would you want to be around someone if you think they're going to hurt you, but yet you continue to be around that person and then worry about the hurt, relive the old hurt, and not even enjoy the now? It's like being at an amusement park in the line for a roller coaster and worrying the entire time that the roller coaster could fly off the tracks. And then as you get nearer and nearer, you're like, fuck it. If it flies off the tracks, it flies off the tracks. But damn it, I don't want it to be over. What do you mean you don't want it to be over? It hasn't even started yet. You haven't even gotten on the roller coaster and you're already sad that you're off the roller coaster. It's like giving me an ice cream cone and as I'm eating it, being sad that at some point there's going to be no more ice cream. Like, enjoy the eating of the ice cream now. Don't future pace the fact that the ice cream won't be there because there's more ice cream. And maybe this metaphor is falling apart a little bit when we start talking about human behavior. But the most important aspect that I can pull out of this roller coaster and ice cream (laughs) metaphor, analogy, I don't know, term right now is that be in the present. If you're in the present and you're experiencing the person for who they are right now, Like you're really locked in. You are grounded. You are aware that this amazing experience has happened. You're going to be able to create new memories that wash away that salty, shitty flavor from that soup long, long ago. But if you've got people in your life who are literally sitting in front of this amazing bowl of soup and you know it tastes better, they deep down know that it tastes better. Other people are eating the soup and they're like, "Mm, this is some good soup. I love this soup. And yet in their mind, they're like, well, I mean, sure, it's it's sort of kind of tasty. But I mean, I bet you if I leave it sitting here on this table for the next 17 days and maggots get in it, it'll taste just as shitty as it did two years ago. Well, what the fuck is your... I don't understand that. I don't understand it. We have this amazing opportunity to step into a new version of ourselves. We want to bring people along for the ride. We also want them to begin to adhere to this this ideology that we are not who we used to be. We are who we are today. I am not my past behaviors. I am my behaviors of today. Calibrate who I am based on what I am doing now. I don't need another anchor around my fucking neck. I am doing a great job of that on my own. Thank you very much. Do not need the Titanic tied to my foot. 
<laughs> I am doing the best I can with the resources I have now to be a better person than I was then. Being constantly reminded of my misgivings from the past while I'm doing my work on myself now and presenting a better version of myself in front of a person now, calibrate on me now. Right now, even this behavior of being on this microphone, this is not infinitely long. This is a precise moment in time. All behaviors are a precise moment in time. Yes, we might begin to repeat behaviors over and over and over again and turn them into a habit, but a behavior does not dictate what kind of person I am. One behavior does not dictate what kind of person I am. Hell, a thousand behaviors don't adequately dictate the kind of person that I am because I am infinite. There's 10,000 choices I'm going to make today. And if I make 9,999 of them that are pretty much appealing to somebody, but then one goes off the rails, and then that's the one the person's like, see, see, fucking told you. See, I told you. It's like watching a child learn how to walk and then standing there with the rest of the family being like, I got five to one odds this little shit falls and busts his face. Come on, who's taking bets? Come on, who's taking bets? 10 to one, runs into that wall. 10 to one, 10 to one. 20 to one, right now, bangs his head on that table. Come on, who's taking this bet? Who's taking this bet? Right? Like, wouldn't that seem cruel to be rooting for the child to fall down? But isn't there some similarity there when you're experiencing somebody push themselves like a child would push themselves to walk for a a year or so? Doesn't it seem like kids are walking a little off balance? It's almost like they're leaning forward and you're like, man, if they pick up a little steam, they're going to put their head straight through that plate glass window. But we're not rooting for the child to run straight into the plate glass window. No. We're supporting the child as they take these first amazing steps and get more and more comfortable with walking because walking is what we want other humans to do. That's what we do. Walking, it's pretty socially acceptable. It's the crawling that's not. Then when you look at someone who's in those stages of sobriety and recovery, whether it's a day, a month, a year, 10, and there's still parts of them that are learning how to walk, and yet you're living from the version of the past when they were crawling or shitting themselves or wherever you want this metaphor to go, it's almost like you're betting against the person that you love. Like, yeah, I see that you're trying to walk now, but I remember when you fell down yesterday or when I remember when you fell down a year ago and you know what? You bumped into my knee and it sort of hurt my knee and so now I just don't trust you walking. I'm not going to support this walking because you might fall down. And I don't want to be there and have to get hurt by your falling down or have to pick up your pieces when you're falling down. I don't know if I've got that in me. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume you're going to fall down and not support any of this walking at all. We wouldn't do that to a child. Why are we doing that to ourselves now as adults with rational minds and an ability to understand feelings and thoughts and to be able to calibrate on actions? Because words are intentions, but actions and behaviors, that is what the person is presenting. I can say all the nice things in the world. 
I can walk up and tell somebody they're amazing and they're splendid. And you know what? If I was picking you for my team, I would totally pick you. And then somebody's like, hey, by the way, Jesse, you need to pick a team. And I'm like, not that person. And they're like, but, but you just said you'd pick me on your team. Yeah, that was when I didn't know I actually had to pick a team. Now that I know I have to pick a team, you're not on the team. Words are intentions. Behaviors and actions are the reality. So future pacing about the person not following through on a behavior or action that they're doing now is, again, it's you're just making up that in your head. They might stumble like most humans will stumble. Is there that levity? Is there that kindness towards the stumbling? And if there's not kindness towards the stumbling, I very much encourage the person who judges the stumbling human to ask yourself, how hard do you judge yourself when you stumble? Because if you judge yourself extremely hard when you stumble, there is a very good chance you're going to judge somebody even more when they stumble. Because why would you give them any love or kindness when you're not even giving it to yourself? This is extremely important. A fixed mindset says, nope, you were who you were two, four, f- ten years ago when you were drinking, and no matter what you do in front of me today, you will always be that person that you were then. That's a fixed mindset. If somebody's doing that in front of you, literally look them in the eyes and go, that's a fixed mindset. Bust out Carol Dweck's book, go read the relationship chapter with that person and say, is this really who you want to be? Hell, is it really who I want to be? Because I've got some fixed mindset things going on when it comes to my girlfriend in this relationship, just like she's got some fixed mindset things going on. I catch myself with automatic negative thoughts and I'm like, dude, you're totally making that up. Or you're totally future pacing three years into the future. You don't know that behavior is still going to be there three years in the future. Because if you start changing your behaviors now, and she starts changing her behaviors now, then the behaviors that are going to be happening three years in the future are going to be calibrated based on the new behaviors that we're participating in each and every day. If we choose not to be self-aware, if we choose not to analyze ourselves, if we choose not to do after-action reports and really dive into what we were experiencing during certain communication opportunities, yes, if we choose to be completely blind to the real-life reality happening around us, then yes, there is the potentiality for the behavior to be the same in three years. Very rarely will somebody's behavior now be exactly the same then. There might be glimpses of it, values and morals and ethics and belief systems, they can become deeply rooted. And so a behavior that's fulfilling a human need today could look very similar to a behavior that's fulfilling a human need tomorrow or three years from now. But we don't really know if that's how it's going to play out or not. We can make up shit. We can daydream about crap that may or may not happen, get ourselves worked up in a tizzy, piss ourselves off, and then start treating that person like shit for something we think that they might do six months from now. Sure, we could do that. <laughs> but that's, we could do a lot of things, and that doesn't sound like one I want to spend my energy on. Thinking, well, why should I believe this be- person's behavior now? Because it could look like something different six months from now. 
Well, if you go into it with that energy, then what if when they do amazing things in front of you, you deflect them. You choose not to see them because they may not stick around. That behavior may not stick. So I don't want to embrace this behavior now because it may change in six months. So I'm going to ignore it now. And then the person sees that the behavior that they're shifting isn't being accepted, isn't being received the way that they wanted to. And then in their mind, like any normal human would be, be like, well, fuck it. I mean, if I'm going to put all this effort in and it's not going to get me anywhere, then why the hell am I even trying? And then the person's like, see, told you, you were going to go back. It's like, well, yeah, if the kid keeps yelling, mommy, mommy, look, look, I just want a hug. I just want a kiss. I just want some fucking support and nurturing like every other human being would want support, nurturing. Oh my goodness. I can't believe you want that. Oh, let me, oh, that's right. Humans are connection machines and we want connection with people and we want to be loved and held and kissed and told that everything is going to be all right. Even if shit ain't going to be all right. Sometimes we just want to hear that it's going to be all right. And in fact, it will be all right. When we keep our head looking forward and say, you know what, no matter what challenge comes my way, I am ready to confront it. But choosing not to embrace somebody's current behavior that's being shown in front of you out of a fear that it may change in the future, that doesn't work. If that's really your belief system, then why do you clean your house? Why do you make yourself food? Why do you get dressed every day? If you think that somebody's, what they're doing in front of you right now, Sure, they're doing it now, but they may not do it in six months. Okay, but they're doing it now. So cleaning your house, yeah, you're going to clean it now, but it's just going to get dirty in a week. So why are you cleaning it? Wow, look at this behavior created cleanliness, but you know what? Other behaviors are going to create dirt. Well, then fuck it. Just don't clean your house. Why are you eating food? You're eating food today. Tomorrow you're going to be hungry. So why bother doing something now? Why bother enjoying this behavior now when it's just going to go back to the way that it is tomorrow? Oh, yeah, I mean, sure, I'm full now, but why should I enjoy that dinner? I mean, just tomorrow I'm going to need to go eat again. (laughs) And then, like, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. Ugh, going to the bathroom is so horrible, so I'm just never going to eat again? Why bother getting dressed? You're just going to have to get undressed later on tonight. We embrace these behaviors that are happening in the moment because they are beneficial to us. And yes, tomorrow the house could get dirty again and I could be hungry again and I could have to change my clothes again and I could have to shower again. Just because something you know, shifts and changes doesn't mean that you don't embrace the behavior now. And I'm not even really sure if that was the best metaphor, if that was the best example, but I, I'm trying to get across in this moment that we can enjoy this behavior now and stop worrying so much about whether we'll be hungry tomorrow or the house will be dirty again tomorrow or whether our clothes will need washed again tomorrow because cleaning is good. We know cleaning is good because if you don't ever clean, then your house is a disgusting mess. Just like in your own relationship, if you don't communicate in a healthy way and you don't clear out some of this garbage and you don't leave it on the curb for the trash pickup guy to get, then you're just accumulating a bunch of fucking shitty garbage and you're going to run out of room for it. And then you're just going to be a hoarder of all these bad memories 
And where is there going to be room in your life now for good memories when your closet and your living room is just full of shitty memories? Well, I'd really like to enjoy this amazing moment we're having right now, but there's just no place for me to store it in my house full of hoarding horrible memories of you. (laughs) There is no room for creating a new when we're holding so tightly onto the old. There's opportunities every single day to embrace this moment as the present. It's, it is the gift. I know it's a cliche, but it's a good cliche. We learn from our past. If you're living in your past, are you really learning from it? Or are you just reliving it? You learn from the past so that your behaviors can be different in order to give you a different outcome. And sure, we do want a future pace. We want to daydream about what an idealized life would be with this person or with this new behavior. We want to create these amazing images in our head because it gives our brain something to aim toward. It gives our sub and unconscious mind this directive energy. But instead, if you have these negative, undesirable daydreams about what things could be if shit goes sideways, if your partner starts to use again, if they go back to old behaviors, then that's what you're directing your sub and unconscious mind to gear itself toward. It's like if you see the road winding, and yes, it's winding. That's what success is. It's this winding road through the beautiful, you know, uh, Santa Monica Mountains. Yeah, you can stay on the road, and sure, it's going to wind, and maybe it won't be as fast if you could just go straight down the five, but it's windy, and you're still getting where you're going. And then you see this fork off to the side, and it clearly says right there, Do not go this way. Car will drive off cliff. Go down a 300-foot cliff and explode into a ball of flames. And if you're lucky enough to survive that, there are piranhas and sharks down there. (laughs) So you're like, eh, fuck it. Let's just go that way. When you future pace negative, undesirable events, it's like you're seeing the dead end. Do not go down this way. You'll drive off a cliff sign and you're still aiming your car toward it. Even though right now in the present moment, you are right there on your side of the road, perfectly weaving in and out of the curves, safely driving through this beautiful area, but you're not enjoying the beautiful area because you're over here just thinking about the cliff that you could be driving off of. Race car drivers are told, do not look at the wall, you'll hit the wall. Basketball players are, are taught... Where your eyes are looking is where the ball will go. I know Patrick Mahomes sort of screws with that by looking one way and throwing the ball another. Golfers are taught, you know, where you look when you bring your head up is where the ball goes. All your muscles are going to follow where your eyes are going. It's like the body is trained to go where the eyes lead it. So if your eyes inside your mind are leading you towards an undesirable result, an undesirable outcome, an undesirable event... Doesn't it, based off of this analogy, seem likely that your body's going to lead you there, that your mind is going to lead you there? If you look at someone you love and say, sure, you're doing great things today, but six months from now, this whole thing could go sideways, it's like your eyes and your mind are leading you towards that sideways version. Not to mention how hurtful and sad it must be for someone who's working so hard on themselves to be told it's all for naught. 
that no matter how much they work on themselves, no matter how much they focus on their personal growth and development, it's falling on deaf ears, blind eyes, unfeeling hands. That's the ultimate discouragement. Studies have been done that have shown that kids who are not held, that kids who are not touched, that kids who are not shown love and affection and kindness, that they begin to develop mental health issues, antisocialism and anger and resentment. These things are fostered at a young age. For those of you out there who love someone going through sobriety and recovery, I cannot stress enough upon you that whatever behavior was happening then was that person doing the best they could with what they knew then. They were doing the best they could with the resources they had available to them at the time. Who they are now standing in front of you, sitting in front of you, it's not the same person. That person is growing and evolving right before your very eyes. We have this opportunity to embrace this new version that's being created right before our very eyes. And the beautiful thing about this is it's not just then that's growing and evolving and shifting and changing, but it's you too, right? Now, whether I'm talking to the person who loves the the person in addiction recovery or whether I'm talking to the person in sobriety recovery now, this is sort of going out to everybody. Everybody's changing and nobody was infallible. You may not think that your behaviors back then warranted the behavior that your loved one who was going through addiction back then was presenting to you. I get it. You're like, how on earth did my behavior warrant them screaming at me or them storming out the door or them coming home drunk, smelling of somebody else? Like, how did my behavior create that? And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that your behavior created their actions. I'm just simply saying that you had your own behaviors that no one's infallible. That there are things that if you're self-aware enough, there's some things you probably admonish yourself about as well. There's some things that no doubt you would like to clean up about your past behaviors too. You don't have to immediately snap of the finger, forgive somebody for everything that they did from the past. You don't have to just snap your fingers and forgive. But you want to be on the journey of forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't for them, it's for you. Why drink poison hoping they die? Why drink the poison making your present life less enjoyable because you're worried about their present behavior not being something that they could continue doing six months, a year, two years from now? What if they do? What if one month of sobriety turns into 10 years and then turns into 20? At what point will you see enough in that person to say, you know what, (laughs) maybe this change is going to stick around when we're all 77 years old? At what point does somebody's behavior have to change enough for you to believe that they're actually changing? And will that person stick around long enough for you to truly enjoy the changes that they're evolving toward? I'm speaking to all everybody. Everybody. This is this goes beyond just people in addiction recovery. This goes to humanity. At what point can we calibrate on behavior? This is how they're behaving now. I will embrace this version of them now. 
Or if the behavior is less than ideal, then I will either choose to not be around that person or I'll have a conversation with them and, and find out what their motivation is around this behavior. Maybe they do want to behave differently, but nobody's ever asked them. Nobody's ever encouraged them. No one's ever clapped at them while they were stumbling forward and said, hey, I support you even if you fall. I will be there to pick you up. I get that when somebody is in the middle of active addiction, there has to be some tough love moments. There has to be a time where we're just like, you know what? I (laughs) I just don't got this in me anymore. I absolutely agree. I was tough loved. Many of you were probably tough loved. Hell, people who aren't even in addiction, uh, in alcoholism and drug addiction, they were probably tough loved. At some point, no matter how much we love somebody, we have to say, you know what? You need to stumble and fall. Helicopter and hovering over our kids. It's funny, I talk to some psychologists and therapists in the field, and they will say, yeah, oftentimes the kids who are hovered and helicoptered are the ones who end up having the most issues because they weren't given enough freedom to just fall on their face. Humans need to fall on their face because there is no failure. There's only feedback. Feedback on maybe walk a little slower next time or not lean forward so much the next time or, I don't know, not drink a whole fucking bottle of Jameson on a Cinco de Mayo in 1997 and black out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we all need to fucking stumble once in a while. And when someone's involved in active addiction, yes, oftentimes we get to a point where that person needs to start stumbling as far away from us as possible. But once the sobriety journey begins, If we choose to keep that person around us and in our lives, it's time that we start embracing the new person that we're seeing in front of us right now. Future pacing them going back to the way they were is really leading your mind to start looking for ways that they're still who they used to be. Like I said 20 minutes ago, I don't need another anchor around my neck. I'm doing a fine job of that on my own. Thank you very much. Six years of being in sobriety and recovery, five years of that engrossed in NLP, four and a half years of that being a life coach and recovery coach, and I'm still just as human as the rest of y'all. My life is not perfect. I have a lot of resources to right my ship, but I can't drag people along for the ride. They have to want to choose to grow and evolve and change. I can't make anybody change. We are all in charge of our own mind. Therefore, we're all in charge of our own results. I cannot just make somebody experience me differently. I can behave as beneficial toward them as I possibly can. And they can choose to experience it or they choose not to experience it. That speaks more about who they are than it ever speaks about me. I know that I'm doing the best that I can with the resources I have right now. I am growth-minded enough to know that there will be some stumbles along the way. But I'm going to keep picking myself up if I even happen to fall down at all, and I'm just going to keep rocking it forward. I have learned more from taking action and having it not turn out the way that I would have preferred than I've ever learned from not taking any action at all. We have an opportunity to embrace a human being in front of us. And if we're choosing to have this human being in front of us, if we're choosing to... Give them that second, third, tenth, fiftieth chance. Then admonishing them for who they used to be in the past, rather than embracing them for who they are currently, it's 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 a it's like we're not doing the forgiveness judge. We are not doing the forgiveness justice. 
going back and reliving the past. It's useful when we're going to learn from it. It's not useful when we're spiraling down on it and then whipping the shit out of somebody else for the 10th or 100th or 1,000th time. We have an opportunity to learn from our past mistakes, be a better version of ourselves today, so we can create a better version of ourselves tomorrow. What we do today creates our tomorrow. Being an addict and actively in our addiction was us living in our past, trying to create our present from that past, and all it did was just fuck up our future. When I finally cut the anchor of active addiction from around my neck and swam my ass up to the surface as fast as possible, it did not immediately make life better. I was just be able to see and feel and hear the storm so much better. And from that seat of empowerment, I was able to start making choices that could get me to calmer waters. I am in charge of my mind, therefore I'm in charge of my results, which tells me that if I choose to behave differently today, because the behavior I was doing yesterday is no longer serving my highest sense of self today, then it will create a more desirable version of me tomorrow. I can only hope that the people who choose to be in my life know how to embrace the here and now so that we can experience this amazing moment as it's happening. Rather than living in a house full of a hoarder's nightmare of past memories. Today is a present. And I'm going to embrace it in the only way I know how, with this childlike enthusiasm that tells me that I can grow and I can evolve and I can learn and nothing about me is stuck in cement, that everything can change. And I have very strong, strong opinions about who I am, but I loosely hold them because I want there to be some room for growth. I want there to be room for shifting and adjusting. I don't want a hoarder's house full of old memories and old experiences to be taking up the main areas. Let the unconscious mind do with them what it pleases. And when needed, I'm going to pull them out. I'm going to lay them on the table. I'm going to clean this shit up. I'm going to put it back together together, best I know how. And I'm going to move on with my life. I want you to be able to do that too. I want the loved ones who have chosen to be with you on this journey to embrace who you are today. Embrace them for who they are today, for the infallible human who might not know how to release their pain and suffering. Guide them along their journey, much like I've been guiding you and others in your tribe have been guiding you and other people in your inner circle have been guiding you. Every single one of us has a hurt child yearning to be healed. Let's be the support system for that child, not the one placing bets on when's the next time they're going to fall on our face. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober because we choose to believe that, not just because it is. And when we come from that seat of empowerment, we make decisions as the creator of our life, knowing that the world will challenge us and that we will occasionally call upon a mentor or a coach or a sponsor. But we are in the creation seat. And today is the day to create. Victims live in the past. Heroes do their best to change or solve a problem that somebody's having now. And the villain, 
the villains always looking into the future, wondering when they'll finally be able to take over the world. Well, it didn't work for Pinky and the Brain. It's probably not going to work for any other villain. Be in the seat of empowerment. Embrace the today. Calibrate who you are based on what you are doing right now. Evaluate it. Learn from it. Grow from it. Shift from it. There's always another step forward. There's always one degree. Left, right, up, down, all around. Where the view can just be a smidge bit different. And maybe we see something we never even realized was there. But if we keep standing behind the tree of our past, we will never see the beauty that's right in front of us. It's like a Roomba that just keeps banging into a wall, but hasn't been programmed to actually turn itself around. Be a more loving, a more kind, a more generous, a more understanding, a more forgiving human. Don't be a broken Roomba. <laughs> Happy Cinco de Mayo, my friends. I cannot believe I just did 45 minutes on the microphone about that. I, I hope you heard something that helps. Inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we choose it to be. Shout out to Sunshine. God, I miss you, Ron. Glow on, my friends. See you next week. Bye-bye.